Hi guys, welcome to Touch by Prayer. I am so super excited. I know that last week we kind of had some glitches, but guess what? We are back with Blake Healy. Heck to the yeah. It is going to be a fun-filled hour. We are going to talk about his latest book called, pull it up here, it's called Indestructible. Holy moly. Um, we're going to just uh, share some stuff, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of a background about uh, Blake. If you guys are on, make sure that you say where you're from. I'm just looking here to see where everybody uh, is. And uh, we're going to get you guys up and running. So thank you guys for tuning in. Share this broadcast. Trust me, if you do any type of ministry, you definitely want to see this. If you know somebody who's in ministry, they need to see this. This is a this is must see um, Facebook Live <laughs> or must see like TV. Serious, serious, serious. I'm not joking because the stuff that um, I've read and the things that um, that Blake has to share is just incredible. Um, I was actually um, given. His first book, which was called The Veil, and I was given it, uh, give, it was given to me as a birthday present. And it was so funny because prior to that, I kept getting this like Facebook, like, you know, friends you might know. And it was like Blake Healy. I'm like, eh, who is this guy? And it's like, hey, he's the director of the School of the Supernatural in Atlanta. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> I, and it wasn't that I, it's just that I was like, I, I, yeah, I, you know, I want to be connected to the right people. And then on my birthday, I was given the book, The Veil. And let me just tell you something. When I read the book, The Veil, it opened up something inside of me that I went, holy moly. So what? when I started to read this book, I had a supernatural encounter that, that, that was just so crazy as I was reading his book on the beach and he was talking about that he was eating this bag of sour cream and cheddar potato chips. This wind came out of nowhere and this, this bag came and attached itself to my legs and it was a bag of uh, sour cream and cheddar potato chips. Heck yeah. So angels are always working. And that's one of the things that is um, that he really talks about is that there is stuff that is happening in the supernatural because he's been seeing things in the supernatural since he's been a little kid. And now with this book, Indestructible, he teaches us the enemy's game plan. Ha! We don't have to sit there and wonder anymore. Like, what is this? No, no, no. He breaks it down. So that's why I'm saying that this is something that we need to all have because don't we want to live a life that is indestructible? So without further ado and without further yakking, I'm going to bring on Blake because that is why we are here, right? So share, share, share. Hi, Blake. Thank you so much for coming on Touch by Prayer. It was such an honor to have you on the last time. And I am so triply honored honored to have you back on. You are just absolutely awesome sauce. And I do mean that with uh, complete sincerity. Uh, thank you so much. It was great talking with you last time. And I'm really excited to spend some time with everyone here again. Okay. So this, this book, as I, I said to you off air, I said this book, Indestructible, let me just put it this way so people can see. Okay. Um, so this book, Indestructible, is um, must read viewing. I really believe that if you are in ministry, I got like, I think I got like the, the editor copy. I don't know. <laughs> this, I've, no, no, no. You got to understand because I will be meeting you. And when I do meet you, guess what I'm bringing? I'm bringing this. <laughs> and that's what you're going to sign. Cause I love to have people sign my books. I think it's important to honor people who write. And I think it's an, I feel very honored to have their, um, have them uh, signing books. So I felt like this was such a gift because I felt like, ooh, hot off the press. So <laughs> as I started, um, there's so much I want to get into. And I don't, I don't want to give away the entire book, but I do want to talk about a couple chapters that really, really hit me. And especially, um, well, we'll get into that. But first I want to talk to you about like what brought you to write this book? Because in this book, as opposed to some of your other books, um, you really kind of talk about the demonic and you talk about it in such a way that we actually have, um, that, that you're showing the, the tricks of the enemy, so to speak. It's almost like you went behind the lions and you started to say, hey, see this? That's why this happens. And so like, what, are, what brought you to writing this book? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, my, my first two books, I really only talked about the, the demonic as much as I needed to, to kind of, you know, draw a picture of, of kind of my experiences. You know, I, um, 
uh, for, for those who don't know me, a big part of my testimony is that I've, I've seen in the spirit since I was very young. So I've been seeing angels, demons, and other spiritual things uh, for, for as long as I can remember. And, you know, a, a big part of that experience was uh, learning that I, what I wanted to do, you know, 99 times out of 100 was to, was to focus on what God was doing, was to focus on the angelic, was to focus on the Holy Spirit. And that's still very much what I wanted to do. And so for a long time, I didn't even really want to write a book like this just because I, I really don't like giving any more attention to the demonic than I, than I need to, you know? Um, but, it, and I do talk about this in the book, kind of the, my, my process with the Holy Spirit in just kind of talking through that, uh, even though I still very much believe that we want to focus on what God's doing, that sometimes understanding the way that the enemy works can help us not be tricked into um, just getting stuck in some of the cycles and some of the traps that he tries to get us into. And so, uh, and, and also the other thing was that, I, you know, I've been seeing in the spirit for as long as I can remember. So I, uh, after 30 years of, of seeing in the spirit, I, I started to realize that there were some patterns that when I would look at people, that there were certain people when I would look at them, that it seemed like even though that they they would be attacked or that the the enemy would try to bother them, bother them just as much as anyone else, I noticed that certain people these attacks just didn't seem to have any effect. That that these people really just weren't were not being nearly as affected as as some other people. And so over the years, I started to look at what are the qualities? What are the things? What are what are these things that make people resistant to the enemy? And that's really the theme of the book. It's why the title is indestructible. What are the what are the things that we can do with our lives that make us just that make our lives um, incompatible with the plans of the enemy and and uh, a place that actually attracts the plans of God? So that was really the heart behind the book. Well, let me just tell you, um, I love. I'm going to go into just a couple of the things that that really kind of highlighted to me. Um, some of the things that you kind of talked about a little bit in the veil, which were about how you were able to overcome fear and how God was able to show you how that fear was just like a, a game, um, like a ride at Disney World that mm -hmm. um, that when the lights come on and when you see, you go, oh, wait a second. <laughs> There's nothing to fear here because yeah. this is all this, you know, it's just smoke and mirrors, so to speak. Um, but one of the things that um, that I loved is that there is a chapter that you really talk about how sometimes that the enemy can put like a veil that shows other people, because pe we look through a veil, sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, we interpret things through a veil. And sometimes mm -hmm. the veil that we're looking through isn't so much a godly veil, but it's a veil based on our hurts and our wounds. And so can you kind of talk about like how that kind of how you got that revelation? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, one of the kind of most succinct stories that, that really outlines this experience is I'm a, I'm the director of the Bethel Atlanta School of Supernatural Ministry. So I, I direct our ministry school here. And, you know, part of my my job is when um, when a student kind of has maybe a, a bigger problem, uh, they, they, you know, end up needing to talk to me. Um, now, uh, we don't like to call it, you know, being being like sent to the principal's office exactly, but uh, uh, if it's it doesn't necessarily make it to me if it's a small problem. So um, I remember on this just one particular day, I had uh, three conversations with uh, students on my on my schedule that I was going to need to have, and I, I as I went to each one, um, the 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 first one, uh, as I was, it was a younger guy, as I was talking to him, I just noticed that he um and he looked so nervous, and of course, you know, whenever I'm going through these kinds of conversations. I'm trying to be as honoring as possible. I'm trying to address the issue directly, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to be honoring, but you know, every single word that's coming out of my mouth, this, this uh, guy is just kind of cringing. You know, he's, he looks like, he almost looks like I'm about to hit him, even though that's really not the posture I'm trying to go for whatsoever. And I am, um, uh, all of a sudden, I just saw this, um, this this kind of thin screen between him and myself when I, when I looked in the spirit. And on this screen, I saw a, a picture of myself now with kind of exaggerated features. And anytime I would make a, a movement of any kind, it would be exaggerated and almost like more aggressive. Um, 
towards uh, towards this person, and I, I was asking the Holy Spirit what was going on, and I heard him say, "Like this is this is the lens that he's seeing you through. That this is what his his history, his experiences, maybe maybe the way that he was raised, maybe his experience with other leaders has has taught him to expect from leadership, and that was affecting the way that he was experiencing me." So I kind of use that to try to ask him some questions. Hey, do you think I'm going to punish you? Do you think I'm I'm going to that you're just in trouble? You know, and we're able to really just kind of get to the the root of the issue. Um, now I went to another student, and I you know after having this this experience, I kind of you know looked for that that uh, screen right away. And when I did this time, you know every. Uh, the the version of myself that I saw on the screen, every single movement, every single response to to what the girl was saying looked like I was ignoring her, looked like I was being condescending, like I was talking down to her. Like I and she even in the middle of uh, talking just kind of burst out with, "You're not listening to me. You don't understand how I feel. You don't care how this is affecting me." You know, and uh, again, I was realizing she had this lens of of that leadership or, or people in authority don't value you or or that they're not gonna listen to you or not gonna value what you have to say. And you know, ironically, the, the funny thing was she, she burst out with that right after I had uh, repeated back to her word for word what she had said just a moment ago. Um, the, the last student that I met with that night, I was um, you know, meeting with her and the the whole time, at first, the image that I saw looked like it was pretty much the same as as me. But I noticed that there was just little subtle movements, little subtle uh, uh, change to the to the way that I was talking. And the best way I can describe it was almost kind of like the the oily, manipulative way that like a salesperson would would talk to you, like a bad salesperson. Um, and I could, um, you know, I, I could tell that. It, this this woman again. Her lens was that she was expecting to be manipulated. She was expecting to be controlled. She was expecting kind of to be coerced and was putting up her defenses to try to kind of avoid that. And so again, it to me it it really just shows how the enemy tries to take pieces of our history, pieces of our experience, and have us put those up almost as defensive mechanisms of okay, I know that people are like this, or I know that people are going to reject me, or going to are going to be rude to me, or going to try to control me, or going to try to manipulate me, whatever it is, and um, can try to get us to to damage our connection with other people by by building up defenses against something that may not actually be there, and so that's just been a you know a big thing. Well, you know, I love, and that's such a perfect segue because the the next thing is, um, you know, what does the enemy come to do? He comes to steal and kill and destroy. That that is his uh, motive operandi, so to yeah. speak. You know, it, he doesn't change. He does the same thing. He did the same thing in Jesus's time. He's doing the same thing right now. So where does he go after? He goes after relationships. And yeah. so by having that veil, you're because there is a something being skewed. Um, you know, we can say that that might even be like the Leviathan spirit because, you know, we have all these different names of all these different demons. But the reality is, regardless of who it is, it's the reality that it's there, that there is something that we can see through. And so we, you know, when you who are so quiet and so calm, you know, when I read in the book that the one guy saw you as this really big guy, you know, who's going to like punch his lights out, you know, it, it cracked me up, but it made such a, um, a huge impact at how are people seeing me? And so mm -hmm. what, what, what were some of the, what are some of the strategies that we can use so that we, if we're starting to see things, cause I know in the one thing, like you said, you started to talk, but there were some who were able to receive what you said and were able to then that 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 veil came down but then there were others who had deeper wounds deeper hurts and and deeper mindsets that you couldn't you couldn't skew them back to see things in the truth right totally and that's that's one thing i'd i'd really encourage people out there is you know and, and this is just so important is you you can't control anyone and even if you're trying to control them away from something bad and towards something good, you still can't control people, you know? And so it's so important. And that's, that's something I've learned in these situations, especially in those kind of leadership moments, you know, where I, 
I can try to address the issue. I can try to be direct about the issue. Um, but if I get into blame, if I get into tr just straight, you know, trying to call them out on these things, and, and I can say this from experience, even when I can literally see what's going on, and even when I'm with someone who knows that I can see what's going on, um, it's amazing how our natural defenses get riled up. If I bring any kind of accusation, any kind of blame to the way that I address those things. And so it's, it's just so, so important that we recognize that all I can do is keep my love on. All I can do is maintain my love. I can, I can offer approaching uh, an issue or approaching a subject, you know, I can offer saying, and, and again, that in, in the book, and this, again, this has been years and years of learning. So this isn't something I just came by naturally, but I, instead of saying like, I oh, don't be scared of me, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, cause that's probably just going to scare more. Mm -hmm. um, I said, Hey, are you scared? You know, I invited mm -hmm. a question. I, I invited vulnerability. I kind of showed care, you know, and said, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, and if I had kind of looked back and realized like, Oh, maybe I was being too aggressive. I probably would have apologized and say, Hey, I'm not trying to make you feel that way. You know, mm -hmm. I just, here's what I want to do. I want to work towards this, you know? And so letting people know your goal, um, again, this is that thing of, of reminding ourselves that we don't fight against flesh and blood. And so even, even when someone is under demonic influence, if I start thinking that I can disrespect them or, or kind of turn, turn my love off towards them when I, when I uh, am addressing them, I'm, I'm actually playing into what the enemy wants to do, which is to create discord, create disconnection. So it's just so important that we just walk through like showing respect to the person. And even when people, I, you know, again, I've been in, not necessarily with students, but other, other situations where people are shouting at me and just yelling, accusing, and just sometimes showing that I'm listening can totally disempower that, that voice, that, that mm. thing that's driving them of, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm asking you a question about it. That can, that little bit of love that I can show. And sometimes that's all you got is I can just, I can show you that I'm willing to listen to you. And that little love can silence so many, so many bad voices. So I love that. I really do. And I, I also think like throughout the book, you, you kind of describe the different, um, not that we're going to focus, but it's like, when when you start to see the demonic and you start to describe them, like most people who think of the demonic, including me, hello, I'm just raising my hand. You know, we've been taught because of media, we've been taught that the devil and the demons are really bad and they're really big and they're really scary. And, uh, you know, and it's interesting because there are so many times as I've read the different descriptions of the different demons that you saw, um, especially like when in the first book in the veil, when you were talking about like the ones that were sitting on your shoulder. And I was like, after I read that book, I was like, okay, stop. Get off. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, because honestly, like if you don't think for an instant, for an instant that you don't have some stuff on you, man, I'm telling you, you actually need deliverance to start believing that you got some stuff on you because we all got stuff because we live in a broken world. And it's not that it's it's necessarily our fault. It's just that, you know, sometimes, you know, when when the poop hits the fan, it gets splattered. And so it gets on you. It just yeah. gets on you. And so sometimes you just have to constantly keep yourself in that place where you're like, wait, because you even talked and you were, I thought it was really, really that you were so vulnerable. And just like you've been talking about like your wife in the book that you kind of shared. I mean, that's really, you know, look, you're like, hey, wait a second. You're the director of the school of Supernatural. And, you know, you, you still see stuff, you know, with your wife and your children. And wait, whoa, you're talking about that stuff. You know, <laughs> not a lot of people. No, I'm being very serious. A lot of people would not be that willing to be that transparent because that really just shows the humility that you walk in. It shows that, look, I got stuff too. I, you know, you talk about your stuff from your childhood, you talk, and then you talk about stuff even as you've grown and as you've matured, but you still see the stuff and you can see how it can enter in, even in a place where you see stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, so can we talk just a little bit about, um, I'm not going to so much go about talking about your wife, but I do want to talk about like friendships because mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, of course, when, you know, when you, 
when you first meet you and, and you know what you walk in, you know, probably the first thing people say is like, what do you see? And then you probably sit and go, oh, you really don't want to know. You just don't want to know. Like, trust me, just trust me. And I love the fact that you protected your friends. And I, I, I thought that was so like you saw, but you didn't say because you wanted to, and you, and you've talked, you kind of talked about that, that you saw, but you didn't say, and you often wondered, should you have said, but I think it was beautiful the way that you were watching to see that something that was small was getting bigger, but yet you then saw that as the correction came. So could you kind of talk about that story with the thing that was hanging on the guy's neck? Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this story either uh, makes people really angry at me or really happy with me, depending on the, on the circumstance. But well, I, I'm going to tell you that this is yeah. a safe place. We don't judge no, because we are all here to learn. So <laughs> anybody who got some judgment, we need to kick that demon to the curb. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so I had this one guy who was a student um, and I remember I'll, I'll try to tell abbreviated version of the story, but he, he showed up one day. He was a little bit late to class and he's kind of obviously haggard, you know, and kind of rushing to get in. He's dragging his backpack, you know, and trying to get to class. And I just stop and say, hey, you know, what's 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 going on? He's kind of listed all the things he had going on. He had extra stuff at work. He had a side project he was trying to do. He was working on writing a book. He had taken on some extra projects at school and everything. It just kind of, he was just kind of that personality kind of guy, like a lot, lot, like to be busy, like to have a lot going on. But I could just tell by his demeanor at, that there, it was kind of dragging on, on him. And when I looked in the spirit, I just saw this, this demon just sitting at the back of his neck. And it was, it was, you know, only about yay big or so, but it kind of looked like a, a leech, you know, that was just sitting there at the, at the back of his neck. And so you know, again, I, I didn't tell him about it at that point. And, you know, I just want to address for a moment that, you know, and I talk about this in the book more, but there were, there were so many times in my history that when I would share about demonic things that I saw in people, it would cause so much fear. It would cause so much confusion that for really, uh, gosh, over 10 years, maybe, maybe 12 or 13 years, I didn't talk about the demonic at all just because I'm like, uh, the, the response that I get is so disproportional to what it actually is. And it's either causing unnecessary fear or fueling uh, unhealthy fascination. And so I, I had to really learn how to, uh, how to partially I had to learn how to present it in the correct light. And also partially I had to learn like when it was time to share and when it was not time to share. And so because of that, I've often been very, you know, hesitant to, to share about those things. And so I didn't share about it. I just asked him some questions about his, his schedule and asked him, Hey, how's that working out for you? And he said, I, th I think I got it. It's just a season. You know, I'm just going to push through and we're going to make it happen. So a few weeks go by and I run into the student again and um, I look at him and he's looking even more haggard and this demon has grown. It's, it's like kind of swelled up like a, like a tick. And I'm, I'm sorry, it's kind of gross, but it, it had swelled up and was hanging uh, about to the middle of his back or, or so a little bit, a little bit above that. And, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, you know, my, my boss hired these new people at work and he asked me to train all of them. And I'm still working on my, my side business and I'm still working on writing this book. And I'm, you know, Hey, a couple of the leaders at, at these uh, group projects for school that I was doing uh, had to drop out. So I'm now leading a couple, one of the, a couple of those projects. And again, he's just, he's clearly haggard. He's clearly, overcommitted and I'm asking him some questions about, Hey, did, you know, is that working out for you? And he's like, I got it. It's just a season, you know, I'll just keep working on it. And it just, you know, kept on going. And then finally one day he showed up late to class again. He came, you know, dragging in, he's looking pale. He's looking, you know, not okay. And I see a, a couple more demons following him. And then the demon on his back is hanging all the way down to his, his kind of, uh, past his belt kind of, kind of line. And, thinking okay i should probably talk to him he's running by and he's he's saying oh you know okay hey, hey Blake, yeah I'll, I'll see you soon you know gotta get to class i'm like hey wait a minute and sit down <laughs> and i sat down with him and i said hey how's it going and again he went over all the things that he had going on all the commitments and um and then he and then he got to the point where he started talking about how you know, he was—he had missed some of his kids' soccer games because of just these, these huge commitments that he that he had. And the second he started talking about that, I saw this demon with a big, dark bucket of shame, uh, mm. just shame over his head. Just came pouring, pouring down over him. 
And I just, you know, it was just this, this shame at how that, because he was a big family guy as well, you know, and loved his family a lot. And it was really having the shame of how this was affecting his family. And, you know, I, I finally can just confronted him and said, look, you, you can't do all this. This is not healthy. And I asked him questions that I ask a lot of Christians, which is, uh, and people are often surprised by this, but it's so important. I said, what do you do for rest? And what do you do for fun? And he looked kind of shocked at first. And then I said, well, you know, what do you do for fun? He said, uh, work. <laughs> and um, I said, you know, no, uh, fun is something that you do just for the sake of doing it, that you do just for the joy of, of doing it. It's not about what you get out of it. It's not about what the end result is. It's about ex the joy that you experience doing it. And I said, fun is, is something that God has given us to protect the fruit of the spirit of joy, which is, is part of life in him. It's not a secondary fruit or a side fruit. It's something that we're, and, it, and again, it's a fruit of the spirit, not a gift of the spirit. Uh, fruit of the spirit is something you're meant to grow, that you're meant to steward, that you're meant to tend to in, in your life. And, and fun is how we tend to joy, how we protect and build joy in our life. I asked him about rest, and of course, I already knew the answer. He liked to work a lot and would work, you know, he was working until one o'clock in the morning every night trying to get this project done, all this stuff. And I said, look, rest rest is not just about passing out at the end of the night or just crashing in front of the TV. It's, it's about living. It's a standard. It's about living our life in a way that protects the fruit of the spirit of peace in our life, that that makes that, that that ensures that we don't violate peace that we don't violate a, a peaceful life and being able to live and operate out of peace and and it's just you know it's, it's so important it, again it's a fruit of the spirit it's part of god's nature that's meant to be manifested in us and so you know i just talked to him about it and said hey this this just isn't going to work you need to change what you're doing and so yeah, he was he was awesome. He changed. He he took his family on a vacation. He and he, you know, talked with his boss and said, "Hey, I can train one of these guys. I can't train all these new guys." He had his side business. Said, "Okay, I'm going to put this project on hold. I'm going to work on it later." He um he, he already at school at our school ministry wasn't supposed to be running as many projects as he was, so we corrected that also. And I saw him, you know, a after he had gone on the vacation with his wife and family and all the demons that had been following him were gone and the demon that had been on the back of his neck was gone. Mm. And I want to kind of just real quick address another angle there is um, it's so important to recognize that gosh, 99% of the time, the demons aren't the problem. They're a symptom of the problem that that demon wasn't causing him to overwork. It was taking advantage of the fact that he chose to overwork. And that's so, so important because one, it, it helps us understand what we can do, but it also helps us rec, rec, uh, understand that we're powerful, that it's our choices that make room or don't make room for the enemy. And I never told him about the demons that were attacking him. We just had a conversation about how, how his behavior was, was hurting him. He changed the behavior and the demons were gone because they had nothing left to eat. They had nothing I love left that. to eat on. I, yeah. I actually, I want to, I, I do want to share something in the very, very beginning of my walk with the Lord. When I really started to hear him, um, the Lord said to me, he said, Lisa, he says, everything has to eat. He says, including demons. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? And he said that sometimes what they do is they cross feed. He says, so if you have a, a, a demon of, of fear and a demon of anger, the demon of anger will get the demon of the person who has the, the spirit of fear on them will get that person fearful. And then the person who becomes fearful becomes angry and gets into a fight with the person who has anger. And so they cross feed and I'm like, get the heck out of here. But <laughs> you're the first person who's ever said feed. And mm -hmm. the fact that you, when I saw that in the book that it was feeding, I went, oh, wait a second. Cause now this was back in, this was like in 2010 when I would, and when I shared it with somebody, they said, okay, you're nuts. But, <laughs> but, but I knew that I, because it wouldn't be something I would think of, but it mm -hmm. makes, it makes so much sense. And, it, and I love what you said is that everything has to come out of a place of choice. 
that mm -hmm. what we give choice to, what we open doors to is what we let in. And so like even like when I was reading the book, The Veil, um, and you were talking about some of these things, the reason I responded the way that I did is because if I did open up that door, if I did through my choices allow those things, I repented, I washed my hands. I, I literally went into the bathroom and I washed my hands. And mm -hmm. I said, Lord, I forgive me because I mm -hmm. knew that I couldn't just wash them or flick them off. I, well, that's what I originally did. But I knew that it had to come from a choice of, of coming into a place where it's like, okay, no, this can't, I don't want this to be in me. So Lord, what do I need to do? Do I need to go repent? Do I need to take a breath? Do I, what do I need to do? And I think that, you know, we have the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. But sometimes we get so wrapped up in our stuff that we fail to listen. And so I, I think that what you're, I love what you said is that, is that, you know, it's not that, that demons just hop on people, you know, mm -hmm. they have to have a right. They have to have a, a, a permission, so to speak. Totally. totally. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that's so powerful. It's, it's, you know, recognizing that our, our choices matter and that we always have a choice you know that we absolutely even you know even those moments where he that guy may have felt like oh, i don't have a choice i gotta get all this stuff done it's you know i've uh, it's, i don't remember who said it but uh it's a good quote of that you know hey every human being on the planet has the same number of hours in the day and so we we all are everyone is equal in that regard that we all get to choose how we spend our time and yes i know circumstances can make that more difficult or more complicated but, but it's it's one of just the fundamental things that God has just given us authority over is we get to choose how we spend our life. And knowing that and choosing that is just so, so powerful. Absolutely. And um, and that also kind of goes into because you were talking about fun. And you know what? You can't have fun by yourself. Uh, well, some people can. But I choose to do it <laughs> with friends. I choose to yeah. go have fun with my family or go to have fun with my friends. And so one of the chapters that you said that you really felt that you wrote the entire book about was mm -hmm. the, the part about community. And can I personally tell you, that was one of my favorite. And when you when you actually are running with the right people, your run is so, you just have a better sprint. You just have a better um, stride, you know? So um, why don't you talk a little bit about like the, the, because you said that you really felt like you wrote that whole book just for that one chapter. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was really, and it's, it's not because it's the, the most revolutionary thing or, or the most, you know, out of the box thing, but it, it is the number one thing that I do see missing in, in a lot of the people that I run into. I, every single person I've ever met that's under some kind of de demonic torment, I, I ask them three questions. And uh, the first one, two, we already kind of addressed. I say, what do you do for fun? What do you do for rest? And then my last question, which really is the most important, is who, who are your friends? And almost always the people that are under the, the most demonic torment are missing usually all three of those things or, or one of them very, very strongly. And again, these things are they're fundamental. They're so important. And one of my, one of my favorite stories of, about this that's just so powerful, it really shows the, the power of community and, and uh, connections um, is uh, I had this friend of mine, again, I'm going to try to be brief with this story, but he, um, it's going through a hard time. He was, uh, in, he and his, he, he came to my wife and I and said, Hey, you know, my, my wife is wanting to move towards divorce. And, um, you know, he, uh, you know, these things are always complicated. So I don't want to, uh, unfortunately for the sake of time, I got to make it simple, but, uh, so there's always more nuance to it. But, uh, when you really boiled it down to it, he wanted to keep working on the marriage and she was, she was done. Didn't, didn't want to work out anymore. Um, just didn't feel that they were right for each other. And, um, and so, you know, he, he came to me, uh, and my wife just said, Hey, you know, I'm just kind of, uh, you know, dealing with this and just want to let you guys know nothing's final yet. But I just saw this, uh, demon standing behind him. And this, this demon was, uh, had this dark kind of cloak on with a, with a hood and it had a knife in its hand. And, um, I could just feel that this was, uh, bad news. Um, and, you know, he said, uh, you know, hey, I, I, you know, nothing's final yet, so there's still some hope. And even when he said that word hope, it just looked like the demon wanted to wanted to stab him, you know. And 
I am. Um, but he said, but you know, I, I just want to kind of pull my community close during this time. And so I'm talking to you and your wife. I'm talking to uh, a couple other couples. I'm talking to some some single friends of mine just to say, hey, speak into my life. Give me feedback. Uh, let me know, you know, let me know what's going on. And uh, and you know, hey, can I just come to you and ask for for help or guidance and and insight if I need? Just kind of, I want to open up this this conversation and. You know, I watched uh, week after week, and, and you know, met with him, talked with him as the the marriage kind of continued to deteriorate. And I, he, you know, he came to uh, my my wife and me when um when uh, his wife had finally decided that she wanted to make it permanent and was you know going to uh, going to make the paperwork final. And he said, you know, hey, I don't I don't feel good about trying to fight her or make it complicated or anything. Uh, but I'm just hoping that something changes. And at that point I saw three or four demons around him. And as, as he was speaking, I saw that demon with the knife, just plunge the knife towards his back. I even kind of cringed just in the, in like in sympathetic pain. But I watched as this, as this knife just got snagged in something several inches away from my friend. And it was like, it, and it pulled back and tried to stab again. And it was like, he got stuck in something. And then I saw this other demon jump towards him and start trying to scratch at him, but they couldn't get close. And as it did, I could feel this like sense of bitterness uh, rise up. I could feel like this anger towards his wife thinking like, oh, why did you do this? Or why, why are you choosing this? And well, I'm wanting to blame her for everything. I could feel that kind of feeling rising up. And then I saw another demon jump towards him and I could feel this depression, this loneliness, this, this aching sorrow, you know, the depressive thing just kind of well up. But again, it, it couldn't touch him. And I just watched this one after the other, these, these demonic things tried to jump on him and just could not touch him. And I said, you know, Hey, how's it been going? And he said, you know, I'm, I'm sad. I'm, I'm, you know, scared about what's going to happen, but I feel connected to my friends. I feel connected to my community and I feel connected to, to God. And so the, the story went on and he, he, the, the divorce went through and I watched as year after year or month after month, week after week. And now it's been year after year as he's drawn closer to that community, drawn closer to God. And one by one, every one of those demons stopped being around him at all. And I remember I was talking with him. It was, oh gosh, I guess it was about a year and a half after, after the divorce had been finalized and only that one demon was left, the one with the dark hood and the, and the knife. And I, you know, he, I said, Hey, how you been doing? He said, you know, I, I'm really just kind of, I'm still sad about what happened, but I'm really for the, for the first time feeling like I can just dream about the future and, and dream about, you know, what God has for me next. And I feel, I feel closer to God than I ever have in my entire life. I feel closer to my friends more so than I ever had in my entire life. And, and as he said that, I saw this demon just at, at, out of rage, lift that knife above its head in two hands and just kind of plunge it down right at, at him. But again, it hit whatever this invisible barrier, barrier was and it deflected and, and even stumbled to the ground. And it, it hissed at him and it hissed so viciously that even spit came out of its mouth. But even the, even the spit stopped on this, on this barrier. And the demon left, and I never, never saw it again. And I, oh God, even even now, it, it makes me emotional just because I, I saw in that moment when I looked at that demon, all of the evil that it just wanted to release through this one circumstance, through this one painful event, how it wanted to to destroy him, how it wanted to to just to just destroy his ex-wife, destroy their families, destroy any future children they would have, even with other people. And just all of the pain that it wanted to release into the world through this one event and just the beauty of that much evil not getting to enter the world wow. because of my friend's choices that he pulled a community close to him so that literally no matter what demonic thing tried to attack him it just literally couldn't touch him Mm, I mean, I love that because you know scripturally it says, you know above all things guard your heart, you know because there that's where that stuff can get in. And I, I really, really love because there are so many people who when they're going through something t really hard and difficult, they tend to go and retreat and just be by themselves. And um, 
Yeah. And so what we, what that what that chapter really talked about was the importance of community, of having people who yeah. love you, who could speak life into you, who can keep you into a place of, you know, there's a hope, there's a future and 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 just start to shift and change and and to cry with you because, you know, going through a divorce is is sad and it's it's and yeah. it's rough and he was believing for something and he could have gotten very bitter at God. He could have gotten very bitter at his wife. He could have been, you know, talking bad about her and he could have been doing mm -hmm. that and that's what the enemy was waiting for that's what i love about that that particular chapter is it, it it's like the he it says that the the enemy is a lion waiting and seeking whom he can devour and it's like um you know, I I have a, a joke with a, a friend of mine and it's like, and I always tell her, I go, thank you for riding the crazy bus with me. And she said, I will always ride the crazy bus with you. Whenever you need, whenever you need somebody, you will not go on the crazy bus by yourself because there are times that we, we go through stuff. And so you don't, you don't let your the people that you love go through things by themselves, you know? So if some, if you feel like there's somebody who's kind of, you know, separated themselves or they feel that they've retreated, this is such a great story and such a um, important one so that you can say, well, I, I can see what they're doing, but this is what we need to do. We need to go in full on, full force and full on love because that's like basically everything is about love, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one, one other thing I just love to mention about this story is it's not like it was a, a perfect, you know, fairy tale kind of situation. There were, there were days he was desperately sad. There were days where he was hurting. You know, it's not it, there was still a lot of healing, a lot of process. And, you know, it's, it's been a few years now and he's, he's still, you know, fit, wrap, wrapping that season up. But but again, it it. It was a true healing process. It wasn't just a a bat an, an, an unnecessary or, or an over the norm battle. You know, it was just he was able to just truly go through the actual healing of of the places that had been hurt, and that's just you know so so precious. Well, you know, and um, and I do want to like okay, sometimes sometimes we'll sit there and we will come against something and we'll start battling and we'll be fighting and we'll be you know, throwing holy water at it. I mean, we're doing whatever we can do. You know, we'll throw the kitchen sink at a demon thinking that it's going to move. But what we're not understanding is that sometimes the person or even ourselves, God forbid, but we can open up an area that we, that we have given permission. As what am I missing here? What am I missing? Because sometimes we're fighting stuff where the enemy has us fighting. You know, sometimes, you know, the enemy will throw out smaller demons. Here, go deal with that one. Go deal with that one. And we're thinking we're getting the victory. But just like you said, you know, with the, I'm going back to the man who started with one. He started with one demon on the back. And then by the time he saw, he had three, including shame. Mm-hmm. Which, which was so good because somebody was somebody was talking to me about the one time she had deliverance with someone and um, and and she was with another pastor and when the, they they did deliverance this woman blew, threw up this black stuff and again I just finished reading that in your book I'm like get the heck out of here I, that was shame <laughs> that was shame because I read it <laughs> you know but it's like God will always confirm His word. He will confirm. And so sometimes, you know, we, we can sit there and we can, we can uh, look, the blood of Jesus is what gave us the ability to conquer. It's what gave us the ability. But sometimes we have to step back and we have to say, like David said in the Psalms, search me, O Lord, show me my stuff. Show me where this stuff came in. Because that man who was doing all that great stuff, it didn't look like he was doing anything bad. But yet, because he wasn't in a place of rest and he was constantly trying to people please and he was trying to do and be like the Superman, you know, this stuff was coming in. So the other um, the other thing I, I do want to talk about, because I know our, our time is kind of coming short, but the most important thing I really believe in having victory is in um, intimacy with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just want you to kind of um, kind of let's let's kind of bring it back to where we really get our victory. And that really is in the secret place. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's, you know, it, the way, the way I like to uh, approach it is, you know, and it's the same <clears throat> metaphor that's used in the Bible so frequently uh, about our intimacy with the Lord is using the, the metaphor of marriage. You know, the almost the whole book of Song of Solomon is, is uh, uh, you know, fills that, that picture. And, you know, I, um, uh, my, my wife and I do some uh, premarital counseling at our at our church for for some of the you know young young couples, and there's this assessment that we use to kind of uh, see. It's not really a compatibility test, but just kind of assesses where they're at, some of their strengths and weaknesses. And there's a few questions on the on the assessment that are kind of trap questions. They're questions um, they test for what what uh, the, the psychologists call uh, idealistic distortion, which is basically like rose tinted glasses or something like that, or unreal, unrealistic expectations. And um, and one of the questions is more or less phrased something like this: of I, I feel that um, uh, spending time together will automatically bring us closer together. And obviously, the, the key word there is automatically. Um, and uh, while it's true that you need to spend time together to grow closer as a as a couple, um, sometimes spending time together can actually build resentment if it's the wrong kind of time or if there's disconnection going on. And so, one one of the things I really like to address is just some of the classic truths of a relationship with God. That hey classic things that we've heard in church since we were little kids of, you know, Hey, read your Bible, uh, you know, spend time in prayer and spend time in worship. And, you know, I've met a lot of people in, in our school and in, in different environments that, uh, especially with the Bible that, that almost have a painful relationship with the Bible because they were maybe forced to read it a lot or, or felt like it was kind of a chore or, or something like that. And, um, just to kind of keep, keep drawing on this marriage metaphor a little bit. Um, one of the things that my wife values a lot is having a clean house. You know, it makes her happy, makes her feel peaceful. Uh, we have five kids and so it's also a bit of a rarity. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, having a clean house really makes her happy. And because of that, this is a big need of hers. And so when there's, when there's laundry everywhere, when there's kids toys everywhere, when the dishes aren't done and starting to pile up, her, her anxiety also is piling up. And um, now if I take, if I receive her saying, hey, could you please clean? Or even her being maybe a little bit stressed or upset, ah, the house is messy, this is, this is stressing me out. If I take that as like, ah, you just need me to do all this work for you. You need me to, you know, ah, oh, why do I have to do this, do this? There's so much work that I have to do just to make you happy. You know, I would not say that because that would not be nice. But, um, but it, so if I take that as like, oh, this is just my duty or my, my job that I have to do, doing that could be, uh, and I do it with a bad attitude or whatever, that's gonna, even if I clean for her, it's gonna bring disconnection. But if I recognize that, oh, this is me serving a need that, that April has, this is me protecting peace in, in her life. This is me help showing her how much I value the things that, that make her feel peaceful, that make her feel safe, that, that I can actually make doing the dishes and doing laundry uh, an act of love, an act of intimacy. And the same is true with regard to the, the Bible and just other ways of, of connecting with God, that, that if we treat reading the Bible as like, oh, well, I just got to get through my chapters, got to read the Bible every year, and it's just, just my, my duty, it's going to create disconnection. But if I treat it as something that is, oh, this is God inviting me into who he is. This is, this is God making himself knowable to me. You know, if we really recognize these things for what they are, um, we can really see who is, and that that really is the 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 prime uh, the, the prime tool of not not only just victory in Christ, but also spiritual warfare. Because you know, spiritual warfare is not about knowing what the enemy is doing. It can be a little bit helpful to know what the enemy is doing, but true spiritual warfare is about knowing who God is and being able to represent Him and 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 reveal who he is uh, in our lives and in the lives of others. And we, we can't do that if we don't know him our, ourselves, if we haven't experienced him, if we're not connected with him personally. And you know, the, the one other thing that's just a, a big, big, big thing for me is for me, you know, I grew up in the church. I grew up a pastor's kid and a missionary kid. And so, you know, knowing about God has just been a part of my life for my whole life. But when I was 12, it was, it was the first time I started going to a church that really taught about the prophetic, about, about hearing God's voice. 
And for me, part partially it was my age, partially it was this this revelation that, oh man, like God actually really wants to talk to me. That he's 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 not just saved me. He's not just you know punched my ticket to heaven, but he actually wants to talk with me. He wants to engage with me. He wants to know and be known uh, in 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 a, a real relationship. I realized that like, oh my goodness, this is the most magnificent gift that any of us could have to have access to, to the king of all kings, to the to the greatest person in the universe. Um, that again, I think that it's it's a true tragedy that any one of us would miss out on that, either because we don't know how to engage with that, we don't we we view it as like a, a chore, an obligation. When the reality is, is every single thing that God does is an invitation to intimacy, to joy, to peace, to, to, to everything that is representative in his nature. And so it's, it's, it's a simple thing, but there's, there is so much power. When we, when we pray, angels move. When we pray, the presence of the Lord rushes to meet us, to connect with us, to, to um, be with us. You know, in, in times like this, when there's a lot of fear going around, when you can't look at the news for five seconds without getting afraid of something, you know, and even when some of those things are, are uh, things we're tr trying to figure out how to be wise about, remembering that ah, the, the presence of the living God who's sitting on the throne right now is one piece, of, one notch of my attention away. He's here already. His presence is already here. But am I am I turning and being present with Him? You know, and so it's a simple thing, but just like a, a marriage, it's it's not just about those big grand acts of love. It's about the hundreds of thousands of little ones that build up and fuel a, a fire of connection and passion. Mm, I love that. And one of the things that you talk about in all of your books is you talk about how the angels and how worship is so important. Worship, yeah. honest and truly, I am. I I love worship. I am such a worshiper. You'll never see me up on stage, you know, singing. So that that's not my call. <laughs> However, I will be upfront worshiping because I love worship, mm -hmm. and I also and it wasn't anything that was taught to me. Um, well, I guess my dad taught it to me, but but I came from a Catholic background. So, so a lot of this stuff was very new to me, but there was something, there was a connectivity that even when I went to a, um, a, a Southern Baptist church and they were singing those old Southern Baptist hymnals, you know, you know, I have a mansion, you know, and but I would sing to the top of my lungs and I would connect and I would connect in that respect. And I know how important that worship shifts things. And you've seen angels in, um, in times of worship that have brought things and have given things and have changed things. So if you would just kind of share one little story and then I'm, we're going to, we'll start wrapping it up. But I just felt like, especially where we are right now in this time period that, you know, God is doing, he is not just sitting there going, well, we'll see what they're going to do. Like he is very, very active right now in what is going on because he loves us. He loves his children and he's hearing our prayers. So, but he's also yeah. hearing our worship. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a, I actually have a, just a fun, fresh story from just recently, you know, Ooh, we're, hey. we're, Obviously, you know, we're, uh, I'm, I'm part of the senior team at Bethel Atlanta, uh, the church here in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, you know, we're having to kind of figure out how to do church when we're, you know, uh, needing to not, not meet physically together. And um, so we had our first uh, online uh, service this past Sunday. And so I was part of the team that was kind of managing that. And there's, you know, just a handful of us in the room. And you know, we set up a simple, you can actually see the live stream on our Facebook page of the uh, worship if you want to. Um, it'd be kind of fun to see what, imagine what was going on in the spirit at the same time. But, you know, there's just three, uh, excuse me, four just of the worship team just staying there in a circle, just worshiping God in the middle of a, of a season of fear, in the middle of a season where a lot of people are being affected in, in you know, challenging ways financially, you know, physically. And um, to have the opportunity in the midst of that to, to set those, those things aside and just gaze upon the Lord, 
I, I just watched as this rush of a white cloud fill the room. It was almost like his presence was desperate for a place to land, you know? And I, I know there's so many people praying right now. There's so many people doing, doing good work right now. So I, I don't want to say that there's not enough people, you know, focus on the presence because man, I, I'm seeing so many people shine right now. And that's, that's beautiful. Um, but it was almost like uh, because of the fear and, and everything that's going on in the world, it's almost like God is more hungry to show up more, even more ready to just respond to anything. And so just the entire room filled up top to bottom with this, with this white cloud that was just moving and swirling and, and every, with every movement, it went out. With every movement and left, we were just in our offices there, but with every movement, every, every note, the, the presence of the Lord just shot out in this direction, shot out in that direction. And it was, I was looking at, and as I've been looking in the spirit during, during this time, I see a lot more angelic activity and I see a lot more demonic activity. It's, it's the enemy's moving, trying to release as much fear as possible. And the Lord's moving to, to release his, his kingdom but I'm watching these waves of worship just cut paths through through the landscape of just clearing out any demonic activity, making clear ways for for what the what, what, where the angels are going and what they're doing and what they're releasing. And it's um, our, our worship leader, uh, the, Vanessa Hale. She was um, speaking in our church a few weeks ago, and she just said uh, the, the theme of her message was recognizing the consequences of our worship. That, that there is, there are powerful consequences to our worship, to the what, what the things that happen when we worship God. It is, it is for, it is for Him, but it, but because He is who He is, it's for our city. When you're worshiping alone in your house, it is changing the dynamic of your city. It is releasing waves of His presence, waves of His glory. Your neighbors are experiencing life differently when you worship. Not, and of course, naturally, your household, you yourself, your family, but it's it's so much bigger than that. And it was just beautiful to see these waves of worship just carving paths for the for the purposes of God to be released all across the land. And so it is. I just I afterwards I just thanked the worship team for for showing up for all the the technical team for just getting everything together, you know, to the best of their ability, like. There's something so powerful about us creating opportunities for one another to focus on God and worship him. And the, the consequences are truly tremendous. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. And I think especially because, you know, we're we're sitting here and we're trying to kind of figure out, okay, um, we're going to be doing church. We're going to be doing it different. And people can say, well, how can I connect? Well, our spirits connect. We are spiritual beings. And so we connect as one when we all worship, you know, in heaven, people have said that they could hear the sounds and they're, and everything is just beautifully woven together into one person perfect sound. And mm -hmm. so as we're worshiping, like you said, in our house, we're changing atmospheres as we worship in our cars. But even as your heart, you know, you can put yourself into a, a, a constant place where you make your temple, your body, a place that constantly worships because it's not just in song, but it's in thought. Our heart just can cry out to the Lord 24 seven. And just even as we sleep, you know, we can just be crying out and just worshiping his goodness and his faithfulness and who he is. And that we can come into a place where that's how fear can't have a, a right in being in there. Because when you are constantly worshiping, you're constantly staying in that in that love flow. Where's fear going to go? Right out the window. It's not yeah. going to it's not going to stick. Right. Absolutely. So this was so awesome, Blake. You are so awesome. I really, I just really encourage you guys to get this book called Indestructible. I'm bringing it over this way. Indestructible. Um, I am, I'm very serious when I say, and you guys know me, um, I don't just say things to say things. If you've never read Blake's book, get the veil. Oh, heck yeah. You start with the veil because then after the veil, then, then you, then you go into, is it the, um, uh, that God is good or the goodness of God? Um, profound good is the second one. Oh, profound yeah. good. Sorry. And that was a great book. I read that one too, because we talked about that book. Um, and now I get to talk about indestructible. So the next book that you have, Blake, I would love for you to come on. And if you guys are interested in connecting with Blake, you can find him at Blake 
K as in King Healy.com because he, uh, he wears a, he wears a crown because he is a son of the most high God. So you can just remember it that way, but get your books. I am telling you, you have some time to read. You can even download it, get your copy start. I mean, seriously, your, your eyes will be open to an entire new world and it's going to start to change things for you because you are going to see that God is giving us these opportunities to see things with his eyes so that we can be indestructible and we can live a life that is going to be power packed. And we are going to have the victory in every situation because we are his children. And so he wants us to win. How about that? Absolutely. So Blake, I just thank you so much. I know that you have to go. I thank you so much for your time. And this has just been fantastic. Thank you guys for tuning in. I have another Touch by Prayer tomorrow. I have Steve Peace Harmon. Oh, heck to the yeah. Steve is just awesome sauce. I love Steve. And we're going to talk some more about demons and angels. And we're going to talk about the spiritual realm. And we're going to talk about what it's like to, to be able to live a victorious life in the spirit, because that's what Steve does. And so tomorrow is going to be awesome. It's going to be at our normal time, eight o'clock. And I thank you again, Blake, for coming on and sharing your awesome testimonies, your awesome book, and, um, and just your awesomeness. Uh, thank you so much. It was a joy being here. Absolutely. So thank you guys for tuning in. Remember three o'clock tomorrow, we're going to be praying for our nation. So you want to tune in. If you want to come and join me in for some prayer, we're going to start to change this thing around. Let me tell you something. We have the victory. So don't even think about that fear because it doesn't, it's not here. No fear here. Right, Blake? No fear here. That's, right. no That's it. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Just remember to go out and touch someone. God bless and good night.